Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Cone of Shame Veterinary Podcast. Guys, I got a good episode today with the one and only Dr. Jeff Tinsley. Dr. Tinsley is, uh, he's my buddy. I love episodes with him. He is a dermatology resident in Louisville, Kentucky, and an all-around fantastic down-to-earth guy. I just wanted to run by him today, um, chronic ear infections when you've got like that stenotic ear that's just tiny and like the the repeated infections have taken a toll on this eight-year-old shih tzu Uh, how do you treat that jeff i just want to make sure i got my bases covered and that's what jeff and i get into guys i have something super super uh special coming up i am doing my first ever workshop for uh for medicine stuff It'll be Wednesday, October the 28th. I've got an 8.30 a.m. session and an 11.30 a.m. session. That's both Eastern time. And I did that so that uh, if a couple of people in your practice want to come, uh, they don't all have to miss at the same time. And so we could sort of break it up. That also gives it in the morning session for the East Coast and another morning session for the West Coast. What is this thing about? Let me tell you. Um, this is on positively medicating cats in the clinic. This is not like a, hey, guys, here's the basic thing on how you pill a cat. This is next level stuff. This is the fear-free style. This is the low-stress handling approach. This is the common tips, tricks, and hacks for being super effective in getting cats to take their medications. This is positive reinforcement. This is training cats to be better patients, to make it easier on owners. All of that stuff, this really is not... Um, I don't want you guys to think this is the basic... Um, you know, first day in vet medicine, how to pill a cat talk is definitely not that. This is, hey, you're pilling a lot of cats and we don't want to stress out our cats and grabbing cats and scruffing them and stuffing a pill down your throat. Not okay. Um, And it's not how we want to, it's not how we want to practice. So let's talk about what goes beyond that. So think of this as a next level uh, workshop. It is going to be interactive. We're going to definitely do some best practice stuff. It is going to be really cool. I hope that you'll check it out. The price is $99 for uh, a seat for a 90, uh, for a 90 minute workshop. If you've got a group more than five, uh, hit us up and we can do some group discounting for a practice price. So anyway, I'll put the link for that down in the description of the show. And without any further ado, let's get into this episode. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, Dr. Jeff Tinsley. Thanks for being here, man. Hi, thanks for having me again. Oh, my pleasure. It's good to have you back. I um, I got a derm case I want to bounce off of you. Uh, and honestly, this is just it's one of those things that I've always kind of wondered I, I want to do a kind of a refresher on my skills uh on one of the cases that i see commonly that i struggle with a bit and that is the chronic recurrent ear infections yep so let's talk about dogs let's talk about ear infections that keep coming back again and again let's talk about tiny ear canals and uh you know thickened sort of crusty ears so i've got um I've got a Shih Tzu patient that I just saw, and this dog has had recurrent ear infections. The left ear is worse than the right. Uh, this dog's name is uh, Charlie, uh, and he is—he's—he's he's only about eight years old, uh, which I say only for a Shih Tzu, but yeah, he's only about <laughs> uh, only about eight years old. Um, let's let's just start with that. If I if I just say to you. Hey, I've got Charlie. 
Uh, he keeps having ear infections, you know, twice, three times a year. Um, the owners, I don't know how much to put it on the owners. They're, they're not super on the ball, which is why these things tend to be nasty. And these ear canals are, are, you know what I mean? Are stenotic and, and things like that. But, um, what, walk me through how you would deal with one of these chronic, uh, affected ears. For sure. So chronic ears are always really tough and frustrating because typically there is a, a secondary thing that's causing and pushing these ears to get into this angry state. And then usually that's an underlying allergy. So that should always be in the back of your mind. But I think we also have to focus on the, the issue at, at present. What's, what's bothering my patient the most is that their ears are on fire. And if it keeps happening, you know, recurrent, recurrent times, a couple times a year, you know, that's really suspicious of environmental allergies. So it mm-hmm. might have an under, underlying atopy that we have to treat and address. But, uh, you know, first and foremost, we got to see where the ears are today. So okay. I would I'd do an ear cytology. Yep. And to see what we're looking at today, I don't care how many cytologies have been done in the past. Uh, it's actually great information to look at those cytologies if they're noted and see how things change because they can change in a couple of weeks. Everything in the ears can change. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm looking for yeast. I'm looking for bacteria. When I'm looking for shapes, I'm looking for cocci, rods. Uh, sometimes you get some inflammatory cells, keratinocytes and debris mm-hmm. as, as well. But I really want to see how bad things are and, and what we're looking at so I can uh, pick some good medications for this dog. Okay. And uh, then I also want to look down in the ears and you know see as best as we can, what do they look like? So is it tons of pus and I can't see anything and we need to clean these out today to, to get a better visualization? Mm-hmm. Uh, are they really stenotic? Can I even put my comb down in there? You know, maybe they're painful and that's not realistic. Right. Uh, and I want to see how, you know, how stenotic they are. And then, I'm also going to face the dog and palpate the bases of his ears and see if these ears are, are they just getting infected over and over again and they're still pliable or are they starting to get mineralized? And truly some of these can feel like, like rocks because that mineralization is starting to create bone like material just from constant infections, getting the tissue in the canal inflamed and making it angry and, Sometimes you're battling that chronic inflammation along with this perpetuating infection. Okay, I want to come back to that uh, and, and sort of talk about how that how that affects how we approach these years. But, but yeah. let's let's keep walking forward for now. So I would say moving forward, I would you know you can do a simple ear cleaning if you like, kind of depending on how much pus and discharge is in the ear today. But I'm always going to send these patients home with some sort of ear cleaner. So okay. I use a, a lot of uh, Epiotic. I use a lot of uh, Duxo Micellar. Mm-hmm. Usually, usually, I only will clean out the ears and do. A, I will teach them how to flush, make sure we're actually flushing well at home. So sometimes we will flush in office, which isn't as realistic during the pandemic. But right. uh, I, I try to give them instructions on how to appropriately flush. So you're not going to over flood these ears. So I would push, you know, squeeze it squeeze down into the ears all the fluid that you can uh, massage the base of the ears let them shake it all out so that's probably a good flush at least twice a week 
two or three okay. times a week. I was gonna say uh, for for these for these chronic ear guys, you, do you just put them on a maintenance uh, regime of two or three times a week ear cleanings? I will uh, in the midst of infection, and then I, I think more maintenancey, depending on how much serum in they're producing, how much wax. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think it's fine for once or twice a week, long term. Okay. okay. Uh, and then we need to actually treat the ears, right? So. There's a million ways to do this and a million products out there. So kind of depends on what your clinic carries. I, I use a lot of uh, Trazoderm. I use a lot of Cerulean, Lometamax. And sometimes I'll you know, get funky and we'll add you know, different compounds and different things to, to some of those as well. So whatever your go-to that has a, your favorite antifungal, antibacterial, and a little bit of a steroid in there to help mm-hmm. with the inflammation, probably fine to start with and, okay. and pro- probably reasonable. And I'll treat them for uh, most of my clients. I'll start them off with like a month of treatment. Uh, I think on the general practice level, it's fine to see them back in two to three weeks. I just find that sometimes when they're coming to see me, they don't want to come in as often. Yeah. <laughs> or or a lot of my clients come from up quite quite a distance away. So if they're two hours away, you know, sometimes it can be just logistically difficult to get back in. So I, I think a recheck at three to four weeks is probably appropriate. So you would have them on uh, sort of one of the the frontline uh, otic medications. Uh, and, and just have them on it for two or three weeks, and then yeah. come back and recheck at at the GP. Okay, cool. I yeah. have not I have not been keeping them on that that long, uh, which is something I probably uh, need to up my game on. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I think when they get really chronic, you know, I get worried that these infections aren't going to clear up, or they're going to be at higher higher risk of resistant infection. So, you know, some of these patients even need to stay on a medicated drop for maintenance long-term okay. because it, it just, there's no way to get rid of some of that chronic tissue after they start slipping into end-stage ear disease. So sometimes I will, you know, at the recheck is when we will recheck cytology, see where we're at, see things have improved, might switch things up if I still am seeing the same amounts of bacteria. And this might also be a great time to consider culturing it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good point to mention that rods are very unpredictable. So if you're seeing tons of rods, you know, we our head always goes to pseudomonas, and it could be a pseudomonas. It could also be E. coli or something else, but the the resistance of those bacteria is all over the board. So it would probably be a good idea for those really chronic ones to consider culture at that point yeah. and s- switching it up. Gotcha. Okay. Talk to me about uh, the chronic inflammation of the ears and let's go back and talk about the mineralization when we're feeling the side of this dog's head how, how do yeah. those things play into treatment how do how should they be affecting my uh my approach yeah so if i feel like these ears are starting to get mineralized i give my owners a heads up and i'm like okay we are now slipping into end-stage ear disease and we need to decide if we're going to continue to medicate these ears or if we're going to consider surgery and a tikaboo depending on the patient. So okay. if you're feeling if you feel rock hard ears and they're very stenotic, it, it's probably time for surgery. Like yeah. you, you know, and if you're considering referral 
and that truly they're so sonotic that you you are feeling actual rock like material. You can send them to the surgeon. They don't they don't need a dermatologist. <laughs> Derm, okay. <laughs> it's good to know. Okay. I'll I'll save my consult there. So yeah. what's gonna benefit those sort of in between? You're not sure, they're pliable, but getting mineralized ears, those are the ones that we play with more medically and those are the ones I will do a couple of things. So you can start them on a steroid to open up those ears. If blood work looks okay, it might be a good idea to check if they're older. You can start atopica. So okay. that's a, a great um, non-steroid way to help open up and release that proliferative tissue within the ear canal. Mm-hmm. And it will take four weeks before it really starts to kick in. And you, we're, we feel like we're sort of like chasing the bear of these ears at this point, if we're doing this. So yeah. we're doing all, all of those topicals, still cleaning out the ears a couple times a week, staying on a medicated drop. Now we're adding maybe a steroid to open them up. Atopica is great and safe long-term. It's not going to reverse any mineralization. So that's really right. important, important to tell them, but you may be able to potentially save them from needing a surgery. But if we are at that point where things are starting to get mineralized, I can't reverse that. These meds are going to be forever. Right. Yeah, yeah. So once I get the mineralization, I'm I'm stuck. Talk to me about the progression with Atopica. So I put them on Atopica, uh, you know, something like that. So I've got this stenotic ear canal, but it's not not crunchy. It's not mineralized. Uh, Are you saying that I I can expect to see that ear canal kind of open back up? And if so, what kind of timeline am I I working on? Absolutely. So you can absolutely see these ears start to open up on Atopica. I've seen some some really drastic improvement from ears where I could barely stick a cotton swab in to having them look almost normal on that really? medication. Yeah. Okay. It, it's, it's fairly safe long-term, fewer side effects than steroids. It's processed through the liver, but doesn't usually cause many issues. Um, and they're typically reversible. Like when steroid makes my liver enzymes go up, if you happen to notice that with atopica, you can take them off of it. So that's great. Um, Timeline-wise, it's going to probably be a few months. So okay. I think reasonably rechecking them in the month to see where they're at is good, making sure they're on the right track. But these ears may take several months. You know, to, you may see inc- in increasing improvement in month two, month three, and longer. Okay. Uh, but again, if it's starting to work, I would continue it. If we take them off of it, those ears are probably going to continue to mineralize and, and backtrack. So gotcha. it, it's forever. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Great. Sweet. Um, let's see. Get them back in uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, does the um, does the th- thickening, like the stenotic uh, ear canals, aside from atopica, does that affect your treatment? duration. So for me, when I see those tiny ear canals, I tend to go, well, I think we're going to be, we're going to be using this treatment longer than, uh, than if I had a more open ear canal. Is, is that true as well? Or you just say, just treat them the same and recheck them? Uh, I probably treat them pretty similarly. So okay. again, like I'm probably going to, if I'm doing a quote unquote, a topic, a trial, if I'm not seeing major improvement in month one or month two, then it's probably not going to be the best drug for that that client, and we can stop spending money on it. Atopica tends to be a more expensive medication. Right. So if I'm not getting anywhere with it, I'll probably 
stop it and either focus on a low dose of steroids and if if that's helpful. But again, we're we're chasing these ears that are wanting to be lichenified and mineralized and and looking terrible. So it's really just trying to figure out what management is going to help these end stage ears long term because there there will probably be forever unless they're mm-hmm. interested in surgery. It, it's not wrong to send these nasty ears to the specialist and and fuss around with it. But you know if they're going to continue medical treatment, you know send them the derm if if they want to consider. They they don't have to go through the surgery, but if they want to consider that, most of these patients have already had so much ear loss and are in so much pain that it's not wrong to consider the tika and so, some of them turn around and act like puppies after that surgery. Yeah. Oh man. That's, that's always wonderful. And also heartbreaking because you realize how uncomfortable they were for. Awesome. Jeff, any last uh, words, advice, tips, tricks, warnings, uh, on the chronic stenotic ear? Um, uh, just something to keep in the back of your mind. Like, remember that these are probably allergic patients. If it happens to be an ear that's uh, more one-sided, Never forget that this could be, you know, if one ear is fine and one ear is constantly having the issue, never forget polyps, masses, foreign body, something going on in just that one ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it's really getting chronic a month or two down the road, don't forget that these can also be become middle ear infections. And it's never wrong to do a couple of weeks of an oral antibiotic for, for otitis media. But Gotcha. Yeah. What uh, what's your what's your go to oral antibiotics if you're concerned about otitis media? Um, I go with the cephalosporin. Okay. So good old Simplicef is is probably my go to, and then you know Cephalexin is fine as well. Perfect. That's that's super helpful. Awesome. Thank you, thank you, Doctor Tinsley. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. And that is our episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. Good refresher. I was glad to. Uh, I was glad just to walk through that with Jeff. I love to see you on Wednesday for the positively medicating cats workshop. And as always, uh, if you got something on the podcast, share it with your friends. Uh, help us get the word out. Help us find more people who who like what we're doing. And and always, it super makes my day if people want to write an honest review on iTunes. So anyway, that's enough for me. Thanks a lot for being here. Take care of yourself. Enjoy your Halloween holiday coming up. Talk to you later on. Bye.